0: I'm Stephanie Lugo, and this is The Market Authority Show. Hey, I'm Stephanie Lugo, ex-corporate to 5 turned top producing realtor and coach. It wasn't all that long ago that my husband and I quit our 9-to-5s to start our real estate business together with no experience in the industry, just a dream for a life with more freedom and flexibility and the chance to impact others along the way but it wasn't always easy. And I remember what it felt like to lack the confidence, direction, and know-how that we needed to build our dream business. Fast forward through lots of work, failed attempts, and lessons learned, and you'll see what we've built today. A business that offers us more freedom and income than we ever thought possible and changes the lives of others every day. I created the Market Authority Show to enlighten the path to becoming an authority in your market. I'm here to share simple, actionable, step-by-step help and inspiration to build your dream real estate business with help from timeless principles and today's cutting edge strategies. Whether you're just starting out on your real estate journey or you've been around for a while, we've got a few tricks up our sleeve that you'll want in on. So let's dive in. Oh, do I have a conversation for you guys today. So you know that I am really involved in ways that we can help lift up our industry to be more value-driven in the way that we are ultimately helping and serving our communities. You know, you, you might hear me say oftentimes how as realtors, our entire job, like our purpose for being in this industry is really to protect the public. And that tends to be at odds with some of that salesy, spammy tactics that we might see in the industry at large. And I just have always kind of chafed at that. And, And luckily, other really smart agents in the industry see a better way forward as well. And one of them is Barry Jenkins. Barry brings such a fresh perspective to the real estate sales process, and he is wickedly smart to boot. He is very systems driven, very analytical, and has created an incredible business and organization for himself. He currently runs a team in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and he's also the CMO of Better Homes and Gardens, NAGR. His real estate team at his his firm sold just under 900 units last year and is ranked number nine on the real trends to 1,000 teams in America. I mean, that's pretty impressive in and itself, right? He is also a full-time executive at YLOPO, a company that I love as well, with the title of head realtor in residence, where he trains their customers, assists with product development, and platform evangelism for them as well. His passions are his faith, being an ordained minister himself, his wife, and his three, now four, children. Okay, without further ado, let's talk to Barry. Barry, thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy to have you.
1: Oh yeah, my pleasure. I'm super excited to talk all things real estate and marketing and geekiness, (laughs) my three favorite subjects.
0: I love it. And and you certainly have so much to share um, and you do so many cool things in the industry. So I'm excited to see where this conversation takes us. For those who have not been lucky enough to meet you just yet, would you share a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, started in the business when I was 18. I'm 41. So I've been at it a, a, a little while. Um, I have a team that sells between 800 and 900 houses a year. In um, 2016, I bought a product called Ylopo. My team did really well, really quickly. Slowly over the course of two years, I ended up taking a full-time gig with them. It forced me to move into more of a CEO role for my real estate team. So I'm still in the trenches, just not as much the day-to-day. And that that experience has allowed me to live in two worlds, um, both the marketing slash technology, but then also the agent. And so those five years of you know pouring into agents um that were trying to find success with digital marketing um i ended up finding a theme that uh, i continued to teach on and so i wrote a book about it uh and so uh the book uh will be out the kindle's out right now the the book printed version will be out i think in 2 weeks 3 weeks something like that so really exciting especially for a guy that had a d in english in high school anything's possible guys you just got to believe
0: You showed them. (laughs) So I want to, I want to hear more about that and, and remind me the the title of your book. I I think I know it, but I don't want to get it wrong.
1: I happen to have a copy right here. It's called too nice for sales, the printed copy. I got some pre-release copies um, and uh, the subtitle. So the, the book is too nice for sales. The subtitle is A Practical Guide to Ethical Lead Conversion. Um, And uh, it's basically the last 10 years of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And moments in my life and stories, because I'm a big story person, that uh, occurred that taught me something about sales. And, you know, because people ask me all the time, you know, how'd you, you know, I get put on the spot. Like, you know, hey, what would you say to this lead and that lead? And so people ask me, how do you come up with it? And it's because it's who I am. Um, And so that's kind of what the book tries to help people uh, get a hold of, that there's a way to do this that is so passionate about serving others Mm -hmm. that you not only end up selling more than your typical hardcore closer, but you have a fulfilling life and you're helping others, which is always a better way to live.
0: I love that that's where I want to live with this conversation and with business in general. I think that's just a good way to be, but to me, it just strikes me as so much more of a value and intention driven way to operate that leaves everybody feeling happier because we know that the last time everybody ignored sales ethics, everybody lost in the end. (laughs) So I, 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 think that it's a more sustainable way going forward, but it's also, um, where we need to be morally and one thing that I think a lot about is um how important it is to have that extreme empathy and I was just sharing this with you and just having empathy for what really is ultimately like an individual's biggest transition in life one of them you know is is moving the very place where they rest their heads at night like that's a really big deal is that one of the values that kind of like struck you and, and guided you on this path? Or were there other values too that you were thinking of?
1: I want to be empathetic. I am not naturally empathetic. I am very much not naturally in touch with how I feel either. Um, but I value those things um, out of just a fundamental, like this is the right way to, to, to believe and to, to think about others. And empathy, I think, uh, is such a rare trait in our society. Like, I was not exposed to a great deal of it growing up, um, and over the course of life and learning, um, you know, I've learned when you're suffering or when someone's suffering, uh, they don't want to just hear "let me know if you need anything." They want they want to hear like, "That sounds horrible. I would. Um, I don't know what I would do in that situation. How are you feeling?" Mm-hmm. Like to where you dive in and it's messy and it's ugly. And we're afraid of that, which is actually the premise of the book is, is nice people are, um, I hope people don't turn the podcast off when I'm about to say this, but nice people are actually very selfish um, because we're very worried about bothering people. And so we're operating more out of the, um, uh, the silver rule versus the golden rule. So the silver rule is don't treat others the way you don't want to be treated, whereas the golden rule is proactive, You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. And, uh, and so nice people generally are so consumed with not bothering people that they find themselves not empathetic, not helpful. They're not serving anybody and their personal life and their business is suffering as a result.
0: You know, what's interesting about that? And I I completely agree with you. And I think what's interesting about that too, is it's a very presumptive way to be because you presume that you know that somebody is going to find you being intrusive by, by serving when really, if you take the time to understand their needs well enough, being proactive is almost something that you just have to do to be a good neighbor by living that golden rule.
1: You know, I hadn't considered it that from that angle, but you're, you're spot on. Um, uh, and I think whether we are presuming out of laziness, um, selfishness, um, uh, or any other reason it's, it's ongoing. And, uh, you know, I don't want to hijack this talk, but, you know, look, uh, this manifests itself in some pretty fundamental ways. The person says, I don't know what kind of home I want. And because I don't want to bother them, I back way off. And I say, okay, do you mind if I email you in a month? Not helping anybody. <laughs> I'm just so focused on not bothering them that I'm not helping. Yeah, And that's how agents are running their business. And it's unfortunate because we're missing a huge opportunity. Nice people need to make more money. Um, society needs nice agents that serve their client and put their interests above their own. They don't need a group of agents that are going to pick a home that's way worse for the client, but they get a sales bonus. And so they're going to sell them this house that's horrible for them. But because of the commission, like we need more of these nice people. That aren't, <laughs> they're not talking to any leads. They're, you know, they're, and uh you know we we need them to kind of rise up and and change the face of the industry in my opinion anyway
0: yeah i couldn't i couldn't agree more like you and i are just in lockstep here with this and i and i think that um this is what has created an opportunity for disruption this is what has created the opportunity for tech to come in, for big box investors to come in and start disrupting things. And to us, it can almost feel as if like, oh, like victim mindset, this is happening to us. Oh my gosh. Why is, why are these big, mean money people coming in and changing the business? When ultimately we are the ones who have stepped aside by not being assertive enough and understanding our value that we have just opened the door and let them walk in.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great point. And one of the chapters in the book is uh, how to view an opportunity. And I talk about uh, 2008. I went from 2001 to 2008 with the market. You stick a sign in the yard, you had like seven offers. That's what I started in. And so then 2008, the market crashes and I'm waiting and praying for my phone to ring again because it used to just ring. I'd run a magazine ad and it would ring and I would work them. And then so for a year and a half, I sat on my hand and I waited for things to go back to normal. And I didn't see that in every moment and every phase of my business, whether it's the market or uh, circumstances, there's always some kind of opportunity. And the key here is finding that opportunity. So to your point, because so much of real estate is not about a people-centric business model, it's a, it's a profit-focused business mm-hmm. model. Robots can come in and be hardless. And do a good job by the data and just kind of like, you know, check boxes and it's good enough. Whereas, you know, robot or no robot, I'm going to tell you right now, if there's anybody buying real estate in my market, um, I'm going to be one of the agents or my team's going to be one of the agents that's speaking with them. I feel really strongly that they need that from me and uh, from my team. And so that's what we go after. And the result is what everybody wants. You end up selling a lot, helping a lot of people and life's good.
0: Yeah. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. You guys do a massive amount of volume. How are you building your business systems with this in mind?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, dividing conquer is a good way of oversimplifying it. Um, You know, I went from the Rainmaker from 2014 to 2017, where um, I started phasing out of buyer activity, handing buyers off, doing it in a way that like, You know when your dentist hands you off to the hygienist you're not really mad at your dentist for handing you off to the hygienist because that's just what the hygienist does they clean your teeth so i was good at that um and uh and then eventually i phased completely out of production and uh i was a little worried about um you know we all think we're irreplaceable and i was worried that maybe my clients would not get as good of an experience so what i started to do was Trying to remove any part of my agent's job that didn't involve a person. So, filing compliance paperwork after you ratify the deal. That does not, it's necessary for a lot of reasons, but that doesn't impact their client and it's taking away from their client journey. And so, what I try to do as a business owner is think through every moment where my agent isn't consumed with their client. Um, and, and, and pay somebody else to do it for them or have a robot, right? A computer do it for them. The result is, you know, you look in my market, we just started hitting Google reviews pretty hard. We hadn't previously. And, uh, with a lot of the changes, we really started to go after it. And out of 9,000 agents, I think we're third in the market for reviews. Um, and so, uh, highly automated, um, highly partitioned, uh, client experience, but, they always have their agent. They always have that human connection. And in a post COVID world, that is like everything right now is that human connection. And, uh, and so people love it. And now my agents can think about those little things because they're not ordering an appraisal or, uh, they're not drafting a document. Um, they can think about what type of coffee the client likes. So before the home inspection, they can bring a white, uh, mocha, uh, you know, with almond milk or whatever, because they, they have that conversation with the client and, um, And so automation and delegation doesn't have to suck for the client. It could actually be very empowering.
0: Yeah, I love that. And when I'm working with agents on helping them learn these skills, because a lot of it is a skill and a lot of it is learning to like release the white knuckling. They they usually have one or two minds about it. They're either too excited to get rid of everything and they hand it all over to like quote unquote the robots and the tech and they don't take the time to bake in that human connection or they white knuckle it for so long that they end up dropping more opportunities to where the reputation gets tarnished anyway because they can't possibly keep up with the scope of work. Is that kind of what you found too?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, even though we run a tight ship, I bring an agent on that's been at it for 10 years they're a good agent and they don't want to just hand the transaction to some stranger and say, Hey, let me know when closing is." And so what we've done is we've added like um, a layered approach when they're submitting the file. um, There's so much rich data on the file submission. I don't want to get too sidetracked for my ROI and my, um, my budgets. And so we've automated that form. And when they submit it, they have boxes that they can check based on their comfort level. Of how much communication, if at all, a transaction manager is allowed to have with the other agent. I don't allow our agents to filter the communication our transaction manager has with the other professional. Just their client. Who cares? I mean, we care about the other agents and the lenders, but like, look, at some point, I'm going to force you to leverage, and um, and so we do. We, you know, and and so they, my my agents, they're never. Nobody ever does it as good as them right um and uh that's part of their charm it's why they're good and so what i try to do is uh, advocate that they have like a task-based management set up so uh, in the morning uh, let's say they need homeowners association docs ordered so they send that email to the tc and say hey um did you order this or can you order this and um uh if you could give me an update by the end of day so like you're not obsessing about it. You handed it and you're going to get an update at the end of the day of how things proceeded. If you just do that, you actually don't have to have a rock star assistant because you're, you're, you're asking for something to be done, but it's a controlled ask. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and so, so yeah, uh, that's been really empowering for a lot of my salespeople, and they sell a lot more as a result.
0: How long does it take them would you say to get from totally uncomfortable and overwhelmed by the process to feeling really empowered and looking for more ways to leverage?
1: Um, That is a great question. And I would say agents that don't have another way of doing it. So they're newer to the business. They typically adapt pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Agents that have been doing it a long time. And when I say a long time, really anything over five years, and they have a groove, there is, um, it's it's not something they, they're not wired just to let it go. And I don't want them to be that way. That's why they're so successful. I want them to care about everything. I just need them to care a little bit differently. I need it to manifest itself differently. And that's why I use the dentist analogy so frequently. I'm never mad that my dentist doesn't answer the phone or file my insurance. Um, you know, I, I understand the way that their business works. And so, uh, empowering my agents to do that. You know, we have 70 agents doing 900 transactions you do the math that's not normal and it's because we're automating we're leveraging and we're really empowering
0: so you and I are big fans a lot obviously a lot of a lot of the same like tech and systems out there what are your like main go-to's for your most foundational systems
1: yeah I mean uh, so uh, why lopo still uh, total mm-hmm. fanboy totally biased <laughs> um because I helped make it. But um they just came out with something called dynamic registration, which um really excited about that. Used to be you ask yeah, you ask a lead for name, email, and phone, cost per lead is like sixteen dollars. Now when I wrote the funnel, in the same way you subtly surface opportunity in a conversation, I wrote these funnels to adapt to the consumer's answers, and now we're getting anywhere from thirteen to eighteen answers. And the cost per lead is cut in half, which means that more people are answering more questions and it's driving the cost per lead down. And honestly, I remember the moment that G and I discovered this and we sat down and I was like, this does not make any sense. I said, the only thing that I can fathom is that consumer behavior has changed because of COVID that's, it doesn't make any sense. And, and so Now we're scaling this and in 90% of the markets that Ylopo launches it to, the cost per lead has gone down. Um, And I don't want to make this a commercial about Ylopo, but what that shows you is that, that again, consumers really value that high touch concierge experience. And we're trying to reduplicate that in those funnels. Um, So that follow-up boss is still my go-to CRM. Mm -hmm. All-in-ones, the new all-in-one is whatever integrates with everything. So, instead of saying, I want everything in one because it's easier, you're making too many sacrifices for that all-in-one. So the, the new all-in-one in my mind is what integrates with everything else. Yeah. Call action, um, still a fundamental part of my tech stack. Um, trying to think what else. I would say those are my top three.
0: And, and call action is like ISA stuff, right? Like they're automated, they're no. helping convert and set appointments
1: or no? No, it's, um, it's like a communication hub Okay. and they don't explain it that way, but it routes inbound phone calls. Um, it, um, it's got a lot of really in-depth workflows. So, um, my ISA team, so we have eight ISAs. And if the lead says, call me in a month, Hey, no problem. We drag and drop. And we have a, um, a drip campaign that starts texting, dropping voicemails in a month that is in reference to, Hey, we talked a month ago. Um. And uh, and so all of our leads that are important are going to call action. And my ISAs, instead of calling all day, are actually just sitting responding to text messages. And then we call within the call action dialer because with all of the changes with cell phone, cell phone providers, phones don't ring anymore. But if I've been texting and you've been responding and I call from that same number, it's going to say maybe on their cell phone. Right. So I moved all my communication to call action because I can control my text and my outbound dials in one platform. And, uh, and now my ISAs are really optimized in that regard.
0: That is so cool. So, I mean, obviously we're having this conversation about your setup and like, I <laughs> selfishly, I could just keep digging cause I want to hear all about it. Cause it's fascinating to me um, for the agent who maybe has been in the business for five years. They're thinking about expanding their team and starting to grow. What are those like first steps that you would say make sense for them to begin like building more of an enterprise type situation for their business?
1: Yeah. I mean um, I think it comes down to obtaining uh, a lead source that scales really well. That's why I gravitated towards Google, which is how I found toward Lopo. The problem that this agent in this scenario is going to find is that they're used to talking to people that know what they want. So their sphere of influence or a past client. Hey, you know Stephanie, I've been wanting to talk to you. We're looking to move, and then you can be transactional. That's great. You know, you're responsive. And you ask really detailed questions, and the and the prospect loves it. They're like, "Oh yeah, we've been approved," and it's fun. And then you get a lead from Google, who went to Google and said, "Homes for sale in Virginia Beach." They pulled it up. They clicked one, and um, they're researching. You call them, and you say, "Hey, you were looking at homes. I'd love to talk to you about it." Oh no, I'm just looking over and over and over again. And that's the fundamental problem uh, that agents are finding themselves in. They don't know how to talk to people that don't know what they want, which is the you know the, there's a fundamental aspect of the book but in practice where the book goes is teaching people how to have that conversation. Um a simple example would be um uh instead of saying what kind of home do you want and I'm saying I don't know I'm just browsing I'll call you back we just say uh listen I know you're not ready to move when you do move tell me what you want to change about where you live mm-hmm. and they complain about where they live and as they're complaining they're discovering along with me what it is they want. And, uh, and so what I would tell this example agent is you, you know, I, I recommend Google, Google leads, but you, if you do not learn how to talk to someone that doesn't know what they want yet, you will be very frustrated and you'll blame the lead source, which is what I did for like eight years. Every year I would change platforms because nobody told me that I was getting people that don't know what they want. And you know, they don't think they need an agent. And you know, a lot of these agents are sending a video like, hey, I've been in the market 20 years. My dog's name is Pookie. I like long walks on the beach. Hire me. They're not hiring. They don't know what they want yet. And so it's just a complete wrong message. Um, and so discovery, uh, I, I use uh, the chapters called Socratic method of selling. So mm-hmm. um, Socrates, Jesus, they all taught through asking questions. And uh, it it actually uses a different part of your brain. And that's why therapy, I don't know if you've ever been, but my wife and I did like a refresher marriage counseling (laughs) I remember leaving. And I looked at my wife and I was like, okay, that was amazing. Because all they did was ask you questions and you figure out how you feel. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's how I feel. And, uh, and so that's, you know, you want to, if you can have that same experience for the prospect, uh, it scales really, really well. Um, and you know, now that I'm not spending the cost of a really nice Mercedes every month on Zillow, I'm able to move some of that spend, to Google and uh and now I'm able to make better business decisions so I said all that because I felt like I had to qualify a lot because a lot of your listeners would say oh great okay Barry said Google I'm gonna go buy it and it's gonna suck yeah and it's because you were looking for the wrong conversation
0: yeah yeah I think so often um we're looking for the fast transaction, which is why referrals are great. Like they're further on in that sales funnel. They're really warmed up. But I think it's important to note that people are not even raising their hands to ask for referrals just like you say, until they have clarity. And by that point, they've already probably had interactions with like five other agents on the internet through their Google searches or through their Zillow's estimating, right? Like looking online, they've already been exposed to so much of our competition. Whereas if you can take this approach and find the methods to get in front of, the public before they get to that point where they're super warmed up, you get to do two things. You get to number one, in my opinion, you get to solidify that relationship a lot sooner. Um, so you get that face to face. But what that actually does is allows you to create that know, like, and trust factor by being that friendly, helpful guide throughout that entire journey. And, and that's our purpose. Like if you ask me, like, and I say this a lot, like our function as realtors is to protect the public. And if we don't yeah. care enough, about the public to figure out how we can do that really well like why else are we in the business we don't deserve to like win the big bucks you know absolutely
1: and uh I I think you put that really well um and I think if you can empower agents to kind of adopt that I think they're sorry that's okay (laughs) I love it (laughs)
0: I was thinking, I was yeah. like, man, that, that little bio picture is so good. If you're, if you're listening to this on audio, Barry has an awesome like thumbnail photo for the zoom call that we're on. And I like, it's the best icebreaker. I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It shows your personality.
1: No, it's fine. Well, and while <laughs> sent me to some fancy photographer, and like, they, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And they told me like, okay, make a surprise face. And then they would take a bunch of pictures and it's like, okay, Now act like you're typing something on the computer and like put your thumb in the air. It was just this weird. And so, but that one to me is so hilarious because anyway um, it's, it's very authentic, uh, which is always the best. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think your mission is a, is a great one. Um, And I know that in my market, so I'll speak for my market. Mm -hmm. I'm not competing with a lot of agents. And um, by not competing with a lot of agents, it's because they're all looking for the bottom of funnel opportunity. For me, I'm talking to the people that don't know what they want. And because they don't know what they want, they don't think they need a realtor right now. Right. And so because I'm talking to that person in a way that nobody else is, I'm winning business at scale. Um, and instead of me kind of just checking in every month for a year, because everybody says, well, how long does it take to close a Google lead? I, I the, the way I do- and you say, well, what do you mean? Well, if you're gonna wait for them to be ready on their own, it'll probably take nine months to a year.
0: Yeah.
1: And every every month you're gonna say, You ready, you ready, you ready? W- whereas for us, we help them discover, and then there's a moment where they, they express fear, confusion, bad planning, no planning, and that's our moment. Mm-hmm. That's our moment to say, in my professional opinion, based on what I've heard from you, this is what your next step is. And I came about this approach. I'm a hundred percent on the disc profile. I'm a hundred percent I and a hundred percent S I'm just supposed to be walking around hugging people. Like I am not supposed to be a business owner. And so I came upon this business or this approach with leads by simply caring in the same way I would tap on the shoulder of someone at target. When we used to use paper coupons um, and say, Hey, I'm not using this. I saw you're buying this. Here you go. Right. I don't have a habit of going up to strangers and giving them things. But because I was giving them something that I believe was of value, I didn't mind interrupting and um, having a conversation with a stranger. And and the same way a prospect would say, oh, I'm waiting three years. Well, that's a long time. Like, how do you plan a year ahead? Oh, I don't plan. Oh, okay. You know, or, uh, you know, oh, I'm I'm saving up my down payment. Oh, that's really smart. Um, How much are you saving? Forty percent that's a really bad idea, Mr. Prospect. And I know you don't know me, but you shouldn't do that. And let me tell you why. And I wasn't thinking I'm overcoming an objection at that moment. Right. I actually believe I'm helping them. And that's the magic is having a three minute awkward conversation where you redirect and actually own the next steps for them. And uh, if you do this, man, it's, it's liberating. It really is.
0: Yeah. And suddenly you find that you're able to do what you set out to do in the first place, which is just serve, right? Like no one gets into the business saying like, Oh, I want to be the best at putting in signs on the ground and opening the doors. Like, no, we want to do something like more meaningful with our, with our lives and our business. And we think that this is a good vehicle to help do that. And I, I love your approach. I think it makes so much sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And I, th- I do agree with you. I think a lot of the principles that you're running your organization off of, there's a lot of synergy with where I'm coming from. So that gives me hope. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a change coming. Uh, agents are going to, going to, you know, make a change.
0: Yeah, I think so. I feel it too. Um, well, uh, for those who, who want to just kind of keep in touch or see more about what you're up to, are you on social media?
1: I am um, uh, Instagram as uh, the real Barry Jenkins because the other Barry Jenkins is the director that steals all my Google juice. So uh, Instagram as real Barry Jenkins. My book website is too nice for sales.com and you can figure, you know, hear about what I'm doing and all that stuff. Um, because it is my opinion that all this stuff made sense to the people that are listening right now. But when you're talking to someone and you're afraid, you're using your instincts. It's a different part of your brain and changing your instincts don't happen through just learning something new because, you know, you get nervous and you're like, Oh, do you mind if I email you? And you're like, Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that, you know? And so learning, learning how to change your instincts is a process. Um, And so I've been trying to put out a lot of media around that. So there's like a YouTube channel and, and all kinds of fun stuff.
0: Oh, I love that. I will be sure to link all those in the show notes. Um, I think that it's really, really important stuff. So if I can help push that out and, and direct our audience to learn more about that, I think that that's an important thing to do. And I cannot wait to read your book. I am so excited <laughs> to get my hands on it. I might have to go the Kindle route if that's cool. But you said the print version oh, yeah. is coming out soon?
1: Print is out March 6th. Kindle's already out. Audible will be out in a week, I think. Are you narrating um, it? No. I was going to, and um, this has been such a fascinating journey for me. The, the publishing industry is, that could be a, the topic of a whole other podcast, put it that way. <laughs> but um, the, uh, the level of aud- uh, editing, um, it just would have been too time consuming. So for this, part- I wanted to read it, but for this particular one, um, I had a professional um, uh, audible um, reader read it um, just to get it out there. I was surprised at how many people didn't want to read. Uh, they'd rather listen. So that's, I felt like a sense of urgency around it.
0: Yeah. I love that. It's a great secondary activity. You can, you know, listen to it when you're driving around all that good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Barry, thank you so much for being so My generous pleasure. with your time. Um, and I want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing. You just pour into the realtor community with everything that you've got. And, and it, you know, does a lot for you. Obviously you're doing a lot of really great things, but it also does a lot for those of us who are lucky enough to be on the receiving end. So thank you.
1: Oh yeah. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm just having a lot of fun to be honest with you. Um, so <laughs> I'm just, just like helping. So, but thank you. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Love it. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in a high five on taking some time to invest in yourself and in your business. If you're looking for more, head over to the show notes to find all the details and links to resources mentioned in this episode of The Market Authority Show. And if you're looking to find a new crew of like-minded pros to ask questions and bounce ideas off of, head over to themarketauthorityacademy.com to join my exclusive community on Facebook, check out my latest free masterclass and tons of bonus content, or... Apply to my mentorship program to learn how I can help you triple your business this year. Until next time, keep on crushing it.